You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. It's sort of like looking in the gospel mirror. We're seeing ourselves the way that God sees us in relationship to the Word as the Word is going forth, right? And if there are any necessary adjustments that need to be made as the Word is going forward and we see ourselves the way that God sees us, you know, the superego is completely stripped away from us. And now we're just standing before God open and naked, right? And God is speaking to us through His revealed Word. Many times God reveals to us certain things that need to be changed things that need to be addressed within our laws. And that's what I'm referring to when I'm saying we're seeing ourselves in the gospel mirror. The Word of God has a way of bringing you face-to-face with your true spiritual condition, like a supernatural mirror. Today, Pastor Mike will be explaining how it's easy to become blind to your spiritual condition when you're not spending time in God's Word. The Word of God is a lamp under your feet and a light under your path. The Bible is what helps guide you according to the path of righteousness and helps you become more like the Lord. It's foolishness to neglect the reading and hearing of God's Word. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of Genesis chapter 13 as he begins his message, Lacking Principle. This morning, we're moving into Genesis chapter 13, and the text that we're going to be treating this morning is found in verses 1 through 13, and in our cast of characters here in our studies in the book of Genesis, we're introduced to a new character whose name was Lot, who happened to be Abraham's nephew. Now listen, talking about lacking principle, I want to draw your attention to something that I think is significant here. At the end of chapter 12, and this is where we left off last time, He is subdued. The idea here is that he's learned his lesson. He's subdued. He's now a humbled man, and he's dragging himself and his company back to the land of Canaan that he should have never left in the first place. Now, let's once again return to verses 3 and 4. And he went on chapter 13. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel, to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar, which he had made there at first. And there Abraham called upon the name of the Lord. Now, folks, let me tell you something. This is a good thing. He's returning to Bethel. He's returning to the place of the altar. He's returning to the place where he worshiped God. And what did Abraham do when he once again called upon the Lord. What does that even mean? What does that look like? 
Well, at least for Abraham, at least in part this was what was involved, he had confessed his sin before God. And I mean, think about it. You know, we're put in a position or a situation like this one where we're reminded about our relationship with God, God's standards, what God wants to do within our lives. And it's sort of like looking in the gospel mirror. We're seeing ourselves the way that God sees us in relationship to the word as the word is going forth, right? And if there are any necessary adjustments that need to be made as the word is going forward and we see ourselves the way that God sees us, you know, the superego is completely stripped away from us. And now we're just standing before God open and naked, right? And God is speaking to us through his revealed word. Many times God reveals to us certain things that need to be changed, things that need to be addressed within our laws. And that's what I'm referring to when I'm saying we're seeing ourselves in the gospel mirror. We're seeing ourselves the way that God sees us. And remember what Abraham had just done, his lack of faith, his uh, not trusting God, his uh, lie, not only himself, but also all of the company that uh, followed him down uh, to Egypt. And so the first thing that was involved with Abraham, I'm sure, calling upon the Lord once again, was that first of all, he confessed his sin. And in confessing his sin, think about it, why do any of us confess our sin? Is because we're seeking restoration with God. Isn't that true? That's one of the reasons why we confess our sin. And folks, if we'll do exactly that, you can be sure that you're going to find it. Here's a cross-reference for you. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 19, the Bible tells us that if we confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Oh, please remember this. You see, Abraham sinned. He got in trouble. But he was willing to admit that, that what he had done was sin. You know, he didn't uh, try to pass it off as something else. He didn't make excuses for his sin, as so many people do. He just simply confessed it to God. He didn't refer to it as, oh, God, I made a boo-boo or something like that. You know, he, he called sin what it really was, and that was sin. He was disobedient to God. Listen, this is not everyone who sins experience. For example, think about this. You're forced to stop some sin because the consequences of committing that sin is too great. Maybe it's affecting your health, right? You've gotten involved and trapped up in some sin. You're caught up in some sin. Maybe it's drugs or whatever, alcohol. And over a period of time, an extended period of time, it's going to take its toll on your, your health. It's going to take a toll on you physically. And now you're seeing the fruit of uh, making that poor choice and, and sinning against uh, God's commandment. And, and so the consequences are too great, right? And Or maybe it, it, it might have something to do with your work. Maybe because of the sin that you've chosen to commit is affecting your performance at work. Or maybe the sin that you've chosen uh, to commit is affecting your relationship with your spouse, with your husband, or with your wife, right? You're, but nevertheless, because of those things, you're forced to stop sinning. But here's the problem. They don't confess it. In fact, they cover it up. You see, and if we do that, 
that person is never restored to the joy of their initial conversion experience. So learn this lesson. Follow in Abraham's footsteps. Don't fail to do this. If you sin, just own up to your sin, confess it before God, seeking restoration, and you can be sure you will be restored back to the relationship that you once had with God before you chose to sin. Don't listen to the devil, because the devil at the same time, when you're looking for restoration, he'll come in and begin to whisper in your ear, hey, Mike, you can't go back. You know, you've crossed over that line, and God isn't going to forgive you. And he's real good at doing that, right? You know, seeking to condemn you. But God, remember, is the God of the second chance. I mean, Abraham had failed more than once. Remember, he was called out of the land of Ur, but as we follow the progression of Abraham here in the, in the section of the book of Genesis, he stopped at Haran. He wasted many years there. And then God, once again, while he was at Haran, called him again. And he had another opportunity. And finally, he came to Canaan. But then when he came to Canaan, finding the famine that existed in the land, he fell there as well, and he went down to Egypt. And you know the disastrous result of making that choice and decision. But nevertheless, God is so merciful and slow you know, to wrath, and he's so patient with, us, with him. And nevertheless, God worked on his behalf. Remember, as, as I already mentioned, as it relates to Pharaoh, God let Pharaoh know that that woman that he had just taken was actually another man's wife. And so God got him out of that situation as well. What's the point? God is the God of second chance. Not only the second chance, but the third chance, the fourth chance, the hundredth chance, right? Listen, the truth of the matter is, is Abraham is a prodigal son who went into a far country and he wasted his substance. Gang, there's only one way back into the will of God. Remember this, God help us not to ever depart from the Lord. But if you do, there's only one way back into his will. What do we need to do? Departure, confession, and return to Bethel, our place of worship. And that's exactly what Abraham did. He tasted the fruit of sin, and guess what? For him, it was extremely bitter. And he never wanted to repeat this experience. You see, you got to like this. you got to love this, actually. Right now, Abraham is a little more seasoned. He's a little more wiser. You know, he didn't become the father of the faith. That's the way that he's recommended to us in the Bible. That's the way that he's recommended to us by God himself, the father of the faith. What a tag, man. What a way to be described. That's this man's legacy. But this didn't happen overnight. The first time that he had an encounter with the living God, when God first of all spoke to him and commanded him to get out of the land of Ur of the Chaldeans, to go to a place where I will show you, and of your seed I will, I will of your seed all of the nations of the earth will be blessed. A prophetical announcement concerning the birth of the Savior through his Abraham's line. He was going to give birth to the Semitic people, you see, right? He didn't like become the super. Christian immediately, it was a part of a process. Even as God is working within each and every one of us, it's a part of a process. Don't you look forward to that process one day being completed 
But unfortunately, gang, it's not going to be completed until we actually stand before the Lord. We're raptured because the Bible tells us that when we see him, we shall be as he is and not before. So as I always say, it's sort of like we're walking around with a, you know, a sign hanging around our neck under construction. Each and every one of us, whether you're a new Christian or the senior pastor of the church, we're all under construction. So anyway, Abraham, because of this experience, is a little more seasoned. He's a little more wiser. Okay, now, that's Abraham. What about Lot? This picture in contrast. Remember, that's our first point. Okay, so we've addressed Abraham. But now, what about Lot? The second person in our cast of characters. What about Lot? What was his spiritual condition? Well, think about this. Probably, initially, he thought going down to Egypt, let's go back to chapter 12, is not my sin, it's my uncle Abraham's sin. I mean, he's leading the party here, right? And uh, I'm just tagging along. I'm just along for the ride. And so Lot disassociated himself from Abraham's experience. He thought himself better than his uncle Abraham. You know, you would think that Lot would have learned from his uncle Abraham's experience. I mean, he was there. He was present. He was down in Egypt. He saw what had happened, what transpired with Pharaoh, the rebuke, the problem, you know, just all of the things that were going on. You would think that that some of what God did in Abraham's life would have rubbed off on his nephew Lot's as well. Now, let's bring this down to personal terms. You know, all of us, and, and this is at least in part the value of fellowship and being involved in each other's lives. You know, uh, like, for example, after the service and even before the service, you know, we, we gather together before we begin and we're catching up with one another and we're sharing the things that God is doing within our lives and uh, the good things, well, it's always the good things. God doesn't do bad things. But sometimes he'll discipline us. That's hard. But nevertheless, there's a lesson to be learned through that discipline. And so we're catching up with one another. And we're just sharing those things with another person. I said, well, you know what? I'm, man, that's amazing. Because guess what? I'm going through that very same thing right now. And you mean God did that for you? Maybe he'll do that for me. And so we learn, and it's sort of like protects us from falling into the same mistakes that that person who's been sharing his own personal testimony, you know, with us from falling into, right? So at least in part, therein lies the value of fellowship, catching up with one another, hanging around with one another, having all things in common. Look around. This is our family. This is the family that God has given us, right? We are to exhort one another to good works, to encourage one another, to be there Uh, for one another. So you would have thought that Lot would have learned something, the result of God working in his uncle Abraham's life. But nevertheless, he failed to recognize his own sin. His inordinate desires, which led to his contention with his uncle Abraham, as well as his sad decline. Now, who is Lot? Okay, well, as I've already mentioned... He is Abraham's brother, Haran's son, who we're introduced to back in, actually, chapter 11. And his brother, Haran, Abraham's brother, stayed behind in Ur. Now, that raises an interesting question. 
Why didn't Lot stay with his dad? And that's a, I think that's a legitimate question. I mean, why separate yourself from your immediate family and, and uh, you know, all of the resources that are a part of being a member of a, a family? The protection of, and provision that's also a part of being a member of a family. Well, and again, let me suggest to you that this is just simply conjecture on my part. But let me put it out there anyway. Lot was probably, he's a young kid, he's probably, well, he's not that young, though, uh, <laughs> because he got married, right? Took a wife, but it, getting married back then was a little bit different than it is today. They got married a lot younger. But anyway, he was probably caught up in the enthusiasm of his pilgrimage and the excitement. You see, he was swept into the current of Abraham's faith. Now, can you imagine? You know, God audibly speaks to Abraham. Abraham, I want you to leave your own family there in Ur to a place that I will show you. And of your seed, all of the nations of the earth will be blessed, right? So Abraham, after having that encounter with God, uh, probably went back and shared that with his immediate family. And Lot got wind of it, you can imagine. So he's caught up in this whole thing now, right? The enthusiasm of it. All right, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm reading into the text, yes, but I don't think it's a stretch of the imagination at all, right? I mean, when something happens, who, you, know, you usually turn to members of your immediate family to share those things with you. I mean, it's some, this is supernatural, right? And so he's probably, Lot, caught up in the enthusiasm and the prospect of this pilgrimage, the excitement of it all. And so he's swept into the current of Abraham's faith. Now listen, folks, this is not unusual and can also be detrimental to the church. You say, how is that? Well, F.B. Meyer, in his, in his commentary on the book of Genesis said as it relates to Lot. He says, in every great religious movement, there always have been and always will be a number of individuals who cast in their lot with it without knowing the power which inspires it. You know, it's sort of like the thing, you know, you get saved, you get all excited, you go back to your friends, you're sharing with them, and and they sort of get caught up and swept up in the whole thing as well. Say, hey, you know, it's working for him. Maybe I'll check it out for myself. But they haven't had a real encounter with the living God themselves. And so F.B. Meyer goes on in his commentary, and he says, Beware of those kinds of people. They cannot stand the stress of the life of separation to God. The mere excitement will soon die away from them. And having no principle, remember, that's what, the title of this morning's message is all about, and not having no principle to take its place, they will become hindrances and disturbers of the peace. As certainly as they are harbored in the camp, or their principles are allowed within the heart, they will allow the spiritual tone, rather lower the spiritual tone. Allure to worldly policy. Suggest methods which would not otherwise occur to us and draw us towards the Egypt world. Nothing but supreme principle can carry anyone through the real, separated, and surrendered life of the child of God. If you are prompted by anything less, such as excitement, 
enthusiasm, fashion, contagious example, you will first be a hindrance and end by being a failure. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. And if you are consciously acting from a low and selfish motive, well, simply ask God to breathe into you His own pure life and love. And listen, I've seen this happen time and time again. Some people, they just have nothing going for them in their lives. And they're looking for some kind of an outlet. They're looking for something. They're not necessarily looking for God. And so they hear about all those Christians. Oh, this weekend they're going on a retreat. Or that weekend they're going to march in a parade. Or that weekend they're all going to, the men's ministry are all getting together and they're going over to Shea Stadium to watch the Mets. And here I am, and I got nothing going for me. And so maybe I'll join. And they join the church like it's some sort of a social club, you know. And really, this has been my experience. I've been around Christianity a long time, folks, in the church. I've seen this happen time and time again. This sort of thing can be detrimental to the church. That is, if it hasn't really been a true move of God in that person's life, you see. Now, getting back to Lot. Lot's failure came from a lack of principle and not from a deliberate selection of evil. Let's go back to our text. Notice in chapter 13 and verses 2 and then 5. Abraham was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. Then jump ahead to verse 5. And then Lot also, who went with Abraham, had flocks and herds and tents. Now, when Abraham and Lot begin their journey towards the land of Canaan, as I mentioned before, they had stopped for a period of time in Haran. And while they were there, we're not given actually all of the details, but God blessed them nevertheless. And God gave them all of this livestock and all of these riches and all of this wealth. And so now they finally are moving in the direction of Canaan, only to find the famine. And now they go with all of their livestock, all of the riches that they had, and they go down to Egypt. And they're still in total disobedience unto the Lord. And because of the fact that Pharaoh, you got to understand the dowry thing. Remember, uh, Pharaoh thought that Sarah was Abraham's sister. So he entered into an agreement with him, and he offered him this dowry, which was obviously uh, quite costly, which only added now to all of Abraham and Lot's wealth, you see, right? And so that's how they acquired all of what is recorded for us, uh, both here in verses 2 and verse 5. So Lot and Abraham, they prospered. They acquired cattle, livestock, and so on. And when they got back then finally to Canaan, the land that had been able to sustain them before was now inadequate to do so. In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, where I long to be. Oh, my You've been listening to Pastor Mike Finizio here on In My Father's House. He is working his way through the book of Genesis. If you were blessed by today's message and want to pass along the blessing, you can find a link to give to the ministry on our website, 
HarvestNYC.org. We have so much available to you there, including many audio messages and links to streamed messages. We stream every Sunday and Thursday service. Once again, that's HarvestNYC.org. Another way to pass along the blessing is to share the messages with someone else. Maybe God put someone on your heart today as you listened. You can send them the links as well. In My Father's House is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Midtown Manhattan, New York City. We're easy to find, with access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. Come by and see us. But if you're from another part of the country or world, we'd love to know. Please send us a quick note at harvestnyc at verizon.net. That's harvestnyc at verizon.net. It's a great encouragement to Pastor Mike and the team at In My Father's House to hear where these messages are being listened to. There is nothing more beautiful than the global body of Christ. If you'd like to hear more, subscribe to our podcast for Daily Doses of the Word. Just go to Spotify and search for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio. And then just click follow. Well, we have filled our time for today. Come back and see us again, because there's no better place to be than in my father's house with you. 